me talking about something as simple as like, oh, I'm scared of spiders, there's a strong chance you're probably going to turn. I'm like, I'm scared of spiders as well. Instantly, I'm like, okay, you understand it. You get it. I know that was probably like a real kind of like minor example, but it works on every level. We are so much more similar than we are different. Like, I'm not afraid to talk about my mental health now, and no one should be. The anxiety side of things is purely just an emotion in my eyes. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Well, hello there. It's brilliant to have you with us today. I'm really excited about today's conversation because I think it's a conversation that we need to have and we need to continue having it because it's not just a a one and done. You're joining us today. That is actually time to talk day. And that is exactly why I wanted this guest to be with me for today because we need to talk about mental health and we need to talk about it more. And no matter what your journey is, no matter what your story is, no matter what chapter of your story that you're actually on, each of us will know someone or will experience it ourselves in terms of dips in our mental health. So I'm delighted to be joined by the founder and host of the Waffle Shop podcast and also an award-winning mental health campaigner, Taylor James. Hello, Taylor. Thanks for joining us today. No, it, it means a lot. And I think it's such a powerful thing that what you're doing in raising more awareness for this kind of conversation. So absolute pleasure to be involved. I think what you've done is incredibly powerful. Let's start there with that whole kind of, actually, I'm struggling with my mental health. So rather than me just doing this by myself, what I'm going to do is start putting myself out there through a podcast. And that's what the Waffle Shop podcast does. It talks and has those difficult conversations, but also what I really, really love. And this is like a massive part of me as well. When I was growing up, it was all about what tune, like, you know, sums up that moment in your life and what music is like really important to you in any given moment. And so it's almost like a desert island discs, like, you know, those tunes that have really kind of governed your life. But Tell us a little bit about that point where you said, actually, I'm not going to keep this to myself. I'm going to share my journey. Do you know what? It's a, it's a weird one because I still to this day do not know why I sat down and hit that record button. You know, I'm sat here like almost four years later, like beyond grateful that I did. But in all fairness, like I hit rock bottom. I felt like I'd bottled everything up to a point where it was completely consuming me. It was the anxiety, post-traumatic stress, anger. There was an element of grief in there. And it got to a stage where like, I, I need to talk about this. I need to do something. And I had two therapy sessions and it started to kind of unlock that kind of door and things started to kind of progress and 
like the processing kind of started and then the pandemic hit. I ran that risk of kind of going backwards and kind of locking that door again, or I kept going. And yeah, uh, the Waffle Shop podcast was born and it genuinely, like, and I say this very openly and quite proudly now that I genuinely think it saved my life. So yeah, it's it, it means a lot to me. I think the the wonderful thing though, that in being vulnerable, in putting yourself out there, in sharing your story as well, which is what you did, without even realizing it, you were helping so many more people as well. It was really overwhelming. Like I didn't expect it. Like when I first put that episode out, I logged out of all social media and I was like, right, that's it. Like this is to see, see what happens kind of thing. But what completely blew my mind was the fact that I was then getting messages saying like, I've been through this. This is how I feel like this kind of affected me or because of you sharing your story, I've gone on to do this. And I'm like, oh my God, like I kept all this bottled up. And what I didn't realize is that all of us like is going through something. It doesn't have to be as kind of like dramatic and traumatic as what I went through. But on some levels, there was something that kind of someone related to. And for someone who felt so alone and was so scared to talk, to then almost feel like heard and appreciated, it was surreal. And I haven't done anything other than sit down and talk. I haven't changed the game. I haven't like invented something new. I've done something as simple as sitting down with someone who I admire and just talk about it essentially because I'm just nosy. (laughs) So it was like all these kind of stuff that like when I was first exploring like the anxiety and like the depression side of things, like it was very generic advice that I was getting. And, you know, I was going on the long walks. I was kind of, you know, trying to meditate and it just wasn't working. If anything, it was almost winding me up even more because I couldn't do it. And then it wasn't until I was having these kind of conversations that really opened my eyes to like journaling or wild water swimming. And it was all these things that then slowly started to become like my toolkit for those days when like I didn't want to get out of bed. And it's now like if I can give that back to someone else who, you know, is just at the start of their mental health journey or, you know, is looking for something that, you know, might not be the generic thing to help them. But even Lego, like it has been the biggest kind of godsend ever when it comes to like my mental health, because it was the only thing at the time that completely took me away from the situation that I was in and really grounded me and made me be present because all I was focused on was these little bricks kind of coming together. So that one is a huge recommendation (laughs) from me. Yeah. um, My little boy's really into Lego as well. So I completely understand that. Not so much the actually building of the models because I I try to follow the instructions and fail. (laughs) Absolutely miserably. Can you give us a little bit of an indication of what happened to get you to that point to actually start the podcast? Of course, yeah. Um, And to be fair, like there used to be a huge period of time that I used to be so scared of telling this story, whereas now it's kind of, I just hope that by me telling it, it becomes someone else's kind of like survival guide because, yeah, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't share it. So obviously, thank you for giving me the opportunity. But yeah, like a few years ago, I nearly lost my mom to an operation that went horribly wrong. In a matter of hours, I had to kind of learn how to run a home, like become a parent to my younger sister, as well as kind of have these incredibly serious conversations with doctors and surgeons, all because she had a slip disc 
something so routine and simple. And then, yeah, it was just kind of like a series of unfortunate events. And it kind of got to a stage where they were saying things to me like, like brain damage and she will never like talk. She'll never walk again. And it was horrendous, like absolutely horrendous. But like my focus at that time was my younger sister. Like I had to kind of get her up. Like she was going through her GCSEs at the time because I knew the hospital was looking after my mom. And then it got to a stage where she made a little bit of progress and she was moved to a neurological care home to go through extensive rehab because what had happened was the spinal fluid where they did the original operation started to leak. And at the time they were like, okay, we're going to just kind of like drain it and see what happens. But in that time frame that she was lying down, the spinal fluid traveled up the spine and then essentially caused a blockage to the brain, which then starved it of oxygen. So it was incredibly scary. And it's all these kind of conversations that you don't expect to have when it comes to like your parent, you know, they're the ones that are supposed to protect you. And all of a sudden it was like the roles were completely reversed. She started to make progress. And I mean, she's still with us today. She's still giving me hell on a daily basis. But in that kind of like process, I completely lost myself. I was having these conversations almost on a daily basis saying, we don't know what's going to happen. Like there's, it's down to my mom, whether she fights it. And it just got to a stage where I was sat down and told by a doctor that it, it's not looking good. And if she doesn't pull through this, then there's nothing more we can do. And I just remember walking down a corridor and I don't know what the turning point was. It was just like, I don't want to continue living this way. And I say this quite strongly and I, I, strongly kind of advise anyone who is in this kind of situation to kind of really focus on the wording with this. It wasn't a case that I didn't want to continue living at all. It was a case of I didn't want to continue living my life the way it was being lived. And it really changed my whole mindset to be like, if I don't make that change now, like I don't like where this is taking me. Like my sense of humor had gone, like I wasn't socializing all these things that really made me who I was didn't exist. So I had to make a change. Hence why I reached out to get the therapy at that time. So yeah, it's been a completeness of whirlwind that I'm still living. It's just this time around, I've kind of built a lot of resilience. I know what kind of affects my mental health in a, in a negative way. And I think it comes down to like the whole conversation piece like I'm not afraid to talk about my mental health now and no one should be. The anxiety side of things is purely just an emotion in my eyes. Like I do not give myself a hard time if I'm happy, you know, I allow myself to be sad. So there's no reason why I should be giving myself a hard time if I'm anxious or just not quite a hundred percent on those days. And it's all those lessons I had just by having conversations like this. You mentioned that your sister was doing her GCSEs. You had to get her through the GCSEs. Is there a big age gap between you? Yes, there's 11 years. Because I was going to say that like if there was only a few years between you, then that's actually, that's just so much pressure. I mean, it's so much pressure on someone anyway, at any moment in time. But if you're kind of just a few years ahead of her, then that's just like, you know, how on earth do you cope with that? Do you think that, and I think this affects men more than it does women. I mean, I don't bring my son up like this because I'm very much like, let it out. If you need to 
cry, scream, shout, whatever it is, let it out, get the emotion out of there. But do you feel that so often in the past we've said, you know, hold it in, you know, you've got to be strong, you've got to be the strong one, you're you're the one that's got to hold it all together because, you know, everyone's relying on you and things like that. And that just puts so much pressure, especially on men. A hundred percent. And it's a really tough one because there was elements of like I was trying to kind of keep it together to look strong in front of like my like male family members. Like my mom has like three brothers. Whereas I was raised by an incredibly strong single mom. So the emotion side of things, like I was always quite open to. It wasn't until that moment when I started to bottle everything up because I felt like I had to be a man. I had to be strong. I had to be kind of this kind of figure of authority. And in all honesty, like that's when things took a turning point for the worse for me. Like, yes, you can be strong, but to me, letting your emotions out makes you strong, sharing your vulnerability, sharing your fears. Like me talking about something as simple as like, oh, I'm scared of spiders. There's a strong chance you're probably going to tell I'm like, I'm scared of spiders as well. Instantly. I'm like, okay, you understand it. You get it. I know that was probably like a real kind of like minor example, but it works on every level. We are so much more similar than we are different but I do agree. I don't know why it's still a thing when it comes to like men's mental health, because it's, yeah, it's more than okay to talk. And that kind of mentality, like it, it shouldn't exist anymore in my eyes. I know it's easier said than done and it takes a long time to kind of build kind of that habit, I guess, but it's more than okay to be talking. Like I'm very grateful about the ripple effect in my friendship group, that kind of situation it's had because the conversations kind of went from very surface level with like my lad mates to now I'm like, you're not okay. So you either tell me what's going on or I'm just going to keep asking you (laughs) what is going on. So yeah, I'm very grateful that it's kind of had that impact. Yeah. I think with groups of women, quite often it's usually me, but quite often, like when you're out and about, like, you know, it's okay for one of them to cry or have like a complete rant or, you know, and whereas, like you say, like in, and I think it happens still to this day, so many kind of groups of guys, when they get together, it's all very, you know, it's a very surface level. There's no kind of deep connection. Do you think that's where it, it, it kind of differs so much between the two sexes? I think so. But I think a lot of it comes down to that kind of, I don't want to say caveman, but like they feel like they have to be like the strongest or it's almost like, I don't I don't know how to kind of articulate it, but it's like show no weakness. And I've never really understood it. So I'm probably one of the rare people to kind of like ask about this because obviously I was pretty much raised by women. So I've kind of always felt like it was okay to show that side of things. But yeah, I I, I really don't know what it actually is. I don't know if it's just like an older kind of world, you know, it was always viewed as like the men go out to kind of provide for the family, the men go and do this, the men go do that. And, you know, the world has completely changed now. And I think we're moving in the right direction. 
Um, but we've got a lot of work still to do because, I mean, you only have to look at the statistics when it comes to like mental health and especially from a male point of view and it, it's not okay. So the more kind of conversations like this, the more podcasts there are, the more kind of groups that are out there that kind of facilitate these kind of conversations like for men, it's, it's definitely moving in the right direction. What I really love is the fact that you got brave. You got brave by pressing that record button because you could have opted out. But I guess it's that, and everyone was under a kind of pressure cooker during lockdown as well anyway. Did that help you with the podcast? Did that help you cope with the additional pressure of lockdown and all of the things that went with it? Joe, it's it's really weird for me because obviously I know the pandemic for a lot of people was devastating. However, for me, it was the biggest blessing in disguise I could have ever wished for, I guess. From around like the age of 15, I've always been kind of like the main kind of like provider at home. And I've always kind of given above and beyond like what was expected of me. So when the pandemic hit, it was the first time in my life that I almost had the luxury of time to focus on me and what I wanted to do. And I was working in IT at the time and I hated it. It wasn't something that I wanted to do it. I think it was just, it was just a job. So when this kind of started to happen and I started to feel different, I started to feel good. I started to feel stronger. I was talking, I was having conversations more than I ever was. I was learning. And then, yeah, it just got to a stage where it just kind of exploded in a way that I wasn't expecting. And then I was very fortunate to be able to kind of leave my job to kind of solely focus on like the podcast. And I was like, wow, like this is what happens when you prioritize yourself. This is what happens when you start to kind of put yourself first and kind of ask yourself what you want to do rather than almost being told what we have to do. Or I had friends, obviously we're all of that kind of similar age of like they're settling down, they're buying houses, they're having kids. And I always felt like I was on the back foot. I was always like, I was like playing catch up. But then the pandemic and essentially turning 30 and a bloody waffle <laughs> taught me that I'm on my own path and it's more than okay to go at a pace that suits you. Like I know it was devastating for a lot of people, but I'm so grateful that I got that time to like really focus on what was important for me. And it kind of taught me how to listen, and it, which is a weird for a thing for a podcaster to say, because we're so used to talking. I learned how to really kind of listen to learn rather than listen to react, which I think in this day and age is quite a, quite a powerful skill to have. So yeah, so if anyone says men don't listen. (laughs) So it sounds like the pandemic was the moment where you realised you could choose. You could choose the path of your own life. And I think so many of us are guilty of this. We go through life, we allow it to happen to us. Hands up, guilty as anything for the first 40 years of my life. I'm like completely was just like, oh, I'm going to go and do this now, thinking that that was what I should be doing when actually I was ignoring all of the signs that had been there all along. Like, this is what you need to do. And it has to center around storytelling. Your podcast is made more special by the fact that it has music 
at its heart. Tell me a little bit about why music has played such an important role in making you feel like, yeah, you know, I can go out there and I can do this. Jill, I've always grew I've always been around music. Like I have no musical talent. I have <laughs> none of my family are musically talented, but it's just always been there. Like my mom was very like nineties kind of like dance kind of almost like R and B in a way. And then my dad used to run these kind of like raves. So I had like a real kind of eclectic music taste growing up. And then when I started to get to a certain age, I was like, Oh, you can go to live music. Like this is a, that are thing now. And I've always loved the fact that when you go to a gig or a concert or festival, in that period of time, you are not focused on anything else other than the music, who you're with. And it's the same when I put my headphones in. Like it's just, it's almost like it's soundtracking that moment for me. And I'm a big believer in everyone having, you know, a song that soundtracked their first dance at their wedding they've you know their first holiday with their friends but for me there was these songs and albums I don't actually think I've ever said this before but it was Amy Winehouse Back to Black that album for me soundtracked my mom and dad's divorce and I think it was then that I really started to see like how these kind of music these artists this these albums were almost like diary entries for me And then when the idea kind of came around for the podcast, I was like, yeah, you know, I want to learn about people's mental health journeys, what winds them up. But I also want to know what songs got them through it all. Um, And I still don't know how I've done it, but I've had some of the most incredible guests who have created those songs for me tell me how, like, how they were feeling, what inspired those songs. And it's been, the fact that I get to do this it blows my mind, but yeah, I love the songs that kind of makes the snot like bubble out of your nose. I like the songs that like kind of make you skip down the road. Yeah, I love it. If there was one track, one track, and I know how hard that is. That's like, <laughs> yeah. come on, like you can't do that. Um, but I am going to do that. If there was that one track for you, it's the song that you put on when you're not feeling great, but actually it turns it around because you love the lyrics, you love the tune, it's like everything, what would it be? This might be a bit of a curveball, but I get days when I cannot listen to this song at all. Um, But then there's days when I'm like, I need that song. Um, It's by Sia and it's called Alive. And there's a lyric in it that's like, I was born in a thunderstorm, I grew up overnight. And it just kind of I don't know, I'm kind of giving myself like a bit of a a chill, but it kind of goes into tell this story of like, regardless of what happened, you're alive, you're still here. And for me, it just kind of really captures almost the story so far. Um, And that there's another one um, that's by the Stone Roses, it's called Waterfall. And when my mum was in a coma, we used to kind of play it. Um, and there's a line in it again that says she'll carry on through it all. She's a waterfall. So it's kind of been this, just this theme of just these kind of really empowering songs. So yeah, I know you can only ask, ask for one, but those two for me will forever be the, yeah, they'll have a special place in my heart, those songs. And I think there is something so powerful about being able to take yourself out of a situation, plugging in, like you say, put your headphones in, sometimes just taking yourself off go for a walk, listening to those tunes that can completely shift where you 
find yourself. Taylor, for you, obviously you're an award-winning mental health campaigner anyway. What's next? What what are we going to see coming up from you? So I'm back with a brand new season of The Waffle Shop and I've gone completely back to basics with it. Like I got lost in like the names that were coming on and I was kind of like chasing something that I felt like everyone else wanted. But I forgot that the reason why it started was to help me and it was something that I really needed. So I've kind of gone back to basics with the podcast and I'm going back to that kind of learning phase at the moment in terms of like, I want to learn about sleep. I want to learn about kind of like relationships and, you know, really dive into kind of more coping mechanisms. But yeah, that's probably what's next, I guess. There's no like big dramatic kind of (laughs) anything. I hope not anyway. (laughs) And there doesn't need to be at all. Like we, like you say, you know, we need to go at our own pace and it doesn't have to be dictated by anyone or anything and I think it's just so important to have these kind of conversations where you can realize that actually you're not alone you're not by yourself and taking your podcast back to basics through doing that you're going to help so many more people as well it's about impacting others through what you do. Uh, Taylor, um, if someone wants to be able to find you, where can they connect with you? So I'm on Instagram. It's probably where I'm most active at the Waffle Shop podcast. And then obviously on all platforms where you usually listen to your podcasts. I've had quite an eclectic group of guests on the show. So I really hope there's something there for everyone. And yeah, get in touch because I'm always up for a waffle. (laughs) Awful little kind of round off there. It was absolutely great. And don't forget, I mean, the importance about today is it is time to talk day. So take Taylor's example. He took that next step and started to talk find someone and if you need someone to talk to there are always lots of people around in the show notes we will put a link for the samaritans as well if you are struggling in any shape or form with your mental health or your mental well-being please do not suffer in silence and if you're listening to this conversation and you're thinking well i like the fact that you're talking about stories and storytelling then find out how ready you are for PR by taking our free quiz, pr-quiz.com. And until next time on the Power of Storytelling podcast, we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.